This program is brought to you by Bobbleway Media, under the oversight of the elders of the Chipman Road Congregation in Lee Summit, Missouri. You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd. This is Don Boyd. I want to welcome you to Opening the Scriptures. Today we're going to be studying in Romans chapter 9. We'll see how far we get in the chapter as time allows. Back in chapter 8, Paul has just finished referring to the true nature of election and foreordination, not what is taught in Calvinism. Now in chapter 9, Paul shows that this election is not based on a physical relationship with Abraham as the Jews thought. First of all, this election is based on faith in what God has prepared for all of mankind, and that is bringing forth Christ and then our obedience to the word of God that was brought forth through Christ. So each one of us decides our own eternal destinations by our own choices. Paul had a deep love and a selfless, selfless sympathy for physical Israel. There in Romans chapter 9 verses 1 through 5 is where we find this. In verses 1 and 2 of Romans 9, despite all that God had promised, physical Israel simply missed the boat. Romans 9, 1 and 2 says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. Paul makes a solemn statement here that he is telling the truth. And the Holy Spirit inspired Paul's writings in this heartfelt anguish that he had for Israel, physical Israel. You know, Paul was formerly a Pharisee, and he was zealous for the law of Moses. If you would turn over to Philippians chapter 3, we want to read verses 4 through 6. Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 6 says, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But Paul was willing to give the ultimate sacrifice for Israel. That's Romans 9, 3. Romans 9, 3. He says, For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. The word wish here is translated in the Greek tense, I was wishing. And we find that in the literal translation and Young's literal translation. The literal translation states, For I myself 
was wishing to be a curse from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Young's literal puts it this way, for I was wishing, I myself, to be anathema from the Christ for my brethren, my kindred, according to the flesh. Well, that is something that is impossible. He could not do that for them. But it is incredible love. Uh, the word accursed there that we read is the Greek word anathema, as Young's literal put it. And Thayer's second definition of anathema is this. A thing devoted to God without hope of being redeemed, and if an animal, to be slain. Therefore, a person or thing doomed to destruction. That's the kind of love that Paul had for his brethren in the flesh, physical Israel, that he was willing to be doomed for destruction if they would only obey. Well, Israel had all the promises. They had all the advantages. And that should have produced faith in Jesus as the Christ. In Romans 9, verses 4 and 5, Romans 9, 4 and 5, it states, who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises, whose are the fathers and of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came, who is over all God blessed forever. Amen. As we go through this, we find they were Israelites, which means they were descendants of Jacob, in Genesis 49.10, it says, The scepter, in other words, those who would be king, shall not depart from Judah, Judah being the fourth son of Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. Shiloh means the peaceful one, that being the Christ. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be, that being Shiloh here, or the Christ. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Again, the Peaceful One, Shiloh. In Luke 2, look at verses 10 through 14. Luke 2, 10 through 14. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace 
good will toward men. And then, you know, Israel received the adoption. They were singled out to bring the Messiah into the world. In Deuteronomy 7, look at verses 6 through 8. Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 through 8. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people. <clears throat> For you are the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh king of Egypt. So God promised he would do that and he did. In Deuteronomy 18.15, Moses said this, Deuteronomy 18.15, the Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me. Unto him shall ye hearken, or ye shall hearken. So Moses right there clearly stated that the one who would rise, or arise from among them, that prophet, would be another lawgiver. Moses gave the law that God commanded to the children of Israel there at Mount Sinai, and the one who would be coming, <coughs> that would be another lawgiver, that is the Christ. In Acts 7, I want to look at verse 37 and then drop down to verses 51 and 52. So let's look at Acts 7:37, and this is Stephen speaking. This is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me, him shall ye hear. And then verse 51 and 52. He said, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them, which is showed before the coming of the coming of the just one, of whom ye now have been the betrayers and murderers. But they refused to accept the new lawgiver, and they stoned Stephen for saying what he said. And then also it mentions that God showed them great glory. In Exodus 24, look at verses 16 and 17. Exodus 24, 16 and 17. It says, And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days, and the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud, and the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire, on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. That's just one instance where God showed them great glory. And God gave them his covenant. In Genesis 12, 1 through 3, God is here speaking to Abram. 
Genesis 12, 1-3, it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Again, that flows down through Abraham's descendants. In Deuteronomy 5, look at verses 1 through 4. Deuteronomy 5, 1 through 4. And Moses called all Israel and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that ye may learn them and keep and do them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. The Lord made not this covenant with our fathers, but with us, even us, who are all of us here alive this day. The Lord talked with you face to face in the mount out of the midst of the fire. So Moses clearly states that the covenant was made with Israel. It was not made with their fathers. It was not made with any other nation. But the covenant was made with the nation of Israel here, we find in Deuteronomy 5. In Galatians 3, 23 and 24, Galatians 3, 23 and 24, it says, But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster, to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. That was the purpose of the law, to bring people to Christ, to the new covenant. We find over in Hebrews chapter 8, Hebrews chapter 8, and we want to read here in Hebrews chapter 8, beginning down in verse 7, it says there, For if that first covenant, that being the law of Moses, had been faultless, then no place should have been sought for the second, the covenant that Christ brought, in other words. Verse 8, For finding fault with them, and he's not talking about the law, he's talking about the people. The people could not keep the law perfectly, so they were at a fault. He saith, continuing verse 8, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. That's talking about the law of Moses. Because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least to the greatest. Now stop right there. 
whenever a person was born into the nation of Israel, they were born into the covenant that God made with Israel under the law of Moses. And they had to be taught from the law of Moses what they needed to do. But in the new covenant, the Christian covenant, we are taught and then when we obey the gospel, we become Christians. And that's why he says, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. Now let's go to verse 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. In that he saith a new covenant hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. So the law of Moses there as a schoolmaster, as we read here in Galatians 3.24. Whenever you look in the Greek, it would be like a little boy leader. Remember, we might compare it to maybe a school bus driver who would bring students to the school on the bus. Well, the Jews jumped off the bus. They didn't want to come to where the school master was bringing them. God also gave them the law of Moses. I want to go back to Exodus 20 and let's read verses 1 to 17. Exodus 20 verses 1 to 17. And God spake all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made the earth, uh, excuse me, the heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Brother Robert Taylor made this statement, and I quote, 
some 603 other laws were added in subsequent years, unquote. So that's the law of Moses. The Jews were given, the nation of Israel was given the law of Moses. And as we read there in Romans 9, they were also given the service of God. In Leviticus 7, 35 and 36, we see what this is talking about. Leviticus 7, 35 and 36. So this is the portion of the anointing of Aaron, of the anointing of his sons, out of the offerings of the Lord made by fire. In the day when he presented them to minister unto the Lord in the priest's office, which the Lord commanded to be given them of the children of Israel in the day that he anointed them by statute forever through their, throughout their generations. So they were given the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood in service of God. And they were given promises. There were promises given to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Joshua, to David. And those promises were fulfilled in Christ. First of all, they were blessed with renowned ancestors. Again, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Christ came through the Israelite nation. We're not going to take time to read the genealogies. But in Matthew 1, 1 through 17, we find the genealogy of Joseph, who is Christ's earthly father, not his spiritual father. In Luke 3, 23 through 38, we find Mary's genealogy. And if you go through those, there's a one spot where they all come back together. I'm going to go to Luke 3, first of all. And as you go through Luke chapter 3, and you get back to David. When you get to David, you find that David there, let's see. I want to start there in verse 31. It says, which was the son of Malia, which was the son of Menon, which was the son of Matatha, which was the son of Nathan, which was the son of David. And you go to Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1, and you find in verse 6 in the genealogy, that Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon. So Joseph, the legal father there of Jesus, came through Solomon. And Mary, Jesus' mother, came through Nathan, the son of David, where again Joseph came through Solomon, the son of David. They both also come back together at Zerubbabel, the second temple builder. While we're in Matthew 12, excuse me, chapter 1, verse 12, says, After they brought to Babylon Jeconias, begat Salathiel, and Salathiel begat Zerubbabel. And then you go over to Luke 3.27. Luke 3.27. 
says, which was the son of Joanna, which was the son of Risa, which was the son of Zerubbabel. So they come back together. You know, they separate there at David. They come back together at Zerubbabel, and then they separate again. But anyway, Israel was not God's chosen people automatically for salvation. They were chosen to bring God's plan for human salvation into being. When we look in Ephesians 3, you want to read verses 9 through 11. Ephesians 3, 9 through 11. It says, And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world had been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now, under principalities and powers in the heavenly places, might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Jesus Christ our Lord. So all these promises were accomplished in Jesus Christ. So in, verse, in chapter 9 of Romans verses 6 through 8, we have physical Israel compared to spiritual Israel. Romans chapter 9 verse 6 Paul just says, not all Israel are of Israel. Romans 9, 6. Not though as the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. Well, what is he talking about? Physical Israel's rejection of Christ did not nullify God's word of promise. When you look at Galatians 3, 16 to 18. Galatians chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. It says there, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, in other words, 430 years after the promise, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more a promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. So the promise was made to Abraham 430 years before the law even came into effect. And Abraham's faith pointed to the church of Christ, spiritual Israel. Look in Galatians 6, verses 15 and 16. Galatians 6, 15 and 16. It says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. What about that new creature? Go back to Romans chapter 6. What are we looking at? When does that new creature begin? Well, let's begin reading there in verse 3. Romans 6. 
Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life, that new creature. That's how that is referring to who or whom the Israel of God is. Those who have obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ and are members of the church of Christ. In Romans 9, 7, God's promise came through the seed of Abraham. That is through Isaac, not Ishmael, nor through Keturah's six sons, Abraham's last wife. In Romans 9, 7, it says, Neither because are they the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. You see, in Genesis 21, 12, Abraham had said something about, you know, let Ishmael be the one that is my, you know, inherits everything. Well, God said unto Abraham, let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad, that's talking about Ishmael, because of the bondwoman. In all that Sarah has said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac, shall thy seed be called. So it's not Ishmael, it's Isaac. And Genesis also, after the death of Sarah, took another wife, her name was Keturah, and she bare him six sons. In Genesis 25, 1 and 2, Genesis 25, 1 and 2, it says, Then again Abraham took a wife, and her name was Keturah, and she bare him Zimran, and Jokshan, and Medan, and Midian, and Ishbak, and Shua. But none of those were the child of promise. None of those would be the one whom the Christ would come. It would come through, Christ would come through Isaac. In Galatians 4, 22 and 23, Galatians 4, 22 and 23 says, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a bondmaid, that being Ishmael, the other by a free woman that being Isaac. But he also, who also, <clears throat> or, excuse me, but he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. In other words, a normal physical birth. But he of the free woman was by promise. Of course, Sarah's womb was dead and God promised Abraham and Sarah that they would have a child whenever Sarah was 90 and Abraham was 100. Now drop down to verse 28 of Galatians 4. Galatians 4, 28. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that through them the, all the nations of the world would be blessed. Well, we are the children of that promise. Christians are the children of that promise. In Romans chapter 9, verse 8, spiritual Israel, the church, not physical Israel, <clears throat> is the seed of promise. Romans 9, 8. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted for the seed. Again, 
Christians, children of the promise. In Galatians 3, look at verses 7 through 9. Galatians 3, 7 through 9. It says, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen, that being the Gentile world, those who were not Israelites, that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Now drop down to verse 29 of Galatians 3. Verse 29. And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So again, we're looking here at Christians who are heirs according to the promise that was given to Abraham. Now we'll look at the historical roots of the promise. And that's Romans 9, 9 to 13. First of all, in verse 9, <clears throat> Abraham and Sarah were promised the miraculous birth of a son, that being Isaac, Romans 9, 9. For this is the word of the promise. At this time will I come and Sarah shall have a son. That refers back to Genesis 18, verses 9 through 14. Genesis 18, 9 through 14. There it says, and these are the men who were going, or the angels who were going to Sodom, speaking to Abraham. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. <clears throat> in other words, according to the time of life, the time of gestation there for the child Isaac. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken into age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. In other words, she couldn't. She, her, she was barren. She was old. Verse 12, Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And here's the point. Here's the where we have the word quoted from there in Romans 9. At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. In Romans 4.19, we have Abraham's attitude. Romans 4.19. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He knew that God would fulfill his promise. In Romans 9.10, we find the promise would be fulfilled through a son born to Isaac and Rebekah. Romans 9.10 says, And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even our father Isaac. Of course, Rebekah was Isaac's wife. And she conceived and she bare twins. And one of them 
was chosen. In Genesis 25, 19 to 21, we find that happening. Romans 5, or 25, excuse me, Romans. Genesis 25, 19 to 21. And these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Paden Aram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah his wife conceived. And God chose one of those sons and rejected the other. He chose Jacob, and he rejected Esau. In Romans 9, 11 to 13, Romans 9, 11 to 13, says, For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, right there shows we do not inherit sin. But anyway, that the purpose of God according to the election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth, <clears throat> It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. When we go back to Genesis 25, verses 22 to 26, we see this taking place. Genesis 25, 22 to 26. It says, And the children struggled within her. Who says children are not alive in the womb? They're lying. Abortion is nothing but the torture and execution of an unborn innocent child. I saw a commercial on television just a couple of days ago, people bragging about, I had an abortion and it saved my life. I don't know why they didn't say, I had an abortion because I couldn't stand to have that child or maybe because I couldn't go through with my colleges easily, or maybe because I was greedy and didn't want to have to spend money, or maybe because I want to have sex with whoever I want to have sex with and not have all these children, etc., etc., etc. I'd rather kill my child than have to put up with him, is what they should have said. But anyway, verse 23 of Genesis 25 says, And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels, and the one people shall be stronger than the other, and the elder shall serve the younger. And when her days were to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb, and the first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that his brother came out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them, or sixty years old. And the other part of what we saw there, Isaac, excuse me, Jacob have I loved, Isaac have I hated, we find that in Malachi 1, verses 2 and 3. Malachi 1, verses 2 and 3. I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet ye say, Wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I loved Jacob, and I hated Esau, and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. 
So right there is where that quotation comes from. And the children, again, had not committed sin before they were born. Reading Romans 9, 11. For the children being yet not, are not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to the election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, we have another spot here that shows we are not born with inherited sin. 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one of us may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. That's what we're going to be judged by. In Romans 6.23, it says, The wages of sin is death. And they had not sinned. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Children before they reach the age of accountability, are not accountable to sin, not accountable to God. Now, the words quoted in verse 13 of Romans chapter 9, these were written many centuries after the lifetime of Jacob and Esau. It says, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. It's written in Malachi, and they live back in Genesis. Well, in the context of Malachi 1, 2, and 3, is referring to Edom, the descendants of Esau, and their sin against Israel. Now, what was their sin against Israel? Psalm 137.7 tells us. Psalm 137.7. It says, Remember, O Lord, the children of Edom in the day of Jerusalem, who said, Raise it, raise it, even to the foundation thereof. There was a long hatred there of the Edomites for the Israelites. And when the destruction of the city of Jerusalem came, apparently the Edomites were out there cheering the Babylonians on. It was 130, Psalm 137, or 137, was written from those in Babylonian captivity. In Obadiah, look at verses 8 through 10. Obadiah 8 through 10 says, Shall I not in that day, saith the Lord, even destroy the wise men out of Edom and understanding out of the Mount of Esau? And thy mighty men, O Teman, shall be dismayed to the end that every one of Mount Esau may be cut off by slaughter. For thy violence against thy brother Jacob, shame shall cover thee, and thou shalt be cut off forever. There's no more Edomites, no more descendants of Esau, because of their hatred and their actions against the nation of Israel. So here, up to this point in Romans chapter 8, excuse me, Romans chapter 9, Paul has shown that the election of God's children is not based on a physical relationship with Abraham. The election is based on faith and the obedience of God's commands found in the New Covenant, the New Testament. Now he showed that Israel had great advantages over the rest of the world. 
You know, we saw there in Romans chapter 9 all of the advantages that the Jews had there. You know, they were, verse 4, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises. All those are the great advantages that God gave to the nation of Israel. But they rejected the Messiah. They rejected the new covenant. You know, we have a great opportunity to obey God, just as they did. But we also have a choice to make. And our choice is either going to be our obedience to God or our rejection of God. Those are the only two choices we have. And those are the only two choices of which one we will make. And that choice will determine our eternal destination. But we want to stop right there for today. And we'll pick up again next time here in Romans chapter 9. We'll see if we can finish the chapter or maybe not. But I want to stop there, and I want to again thank you for tuning in to be with us today, and I look forward to being with you next time. When you're in Moody, Missouri, you're invited to visit the Moody Church of Christ, located on Highway E in Moody, Missouri. The congregation there meets on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then again at 6 p.m. for Sunday evening worship. They also meet at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study. We thank you for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Way Media by visiting our website, BibleWayMedia.org. You can find all of our podcasts and all major podcast platforms. As always, we thank you for listening.